What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Plastic Power Podcast, a.k.a. the PP Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the Granola Arc, and joining us once again, coming from space, because he always seems to be in space in the middle of every <laughs> single one of our podcasts with that background of his. Please welcome, once again, Jordan the Dragon Lee. What's up, guys? Oh, yeah, and if you, in case you guys are wondering what that jacket is that he is wearing, that has to do with Dragon Ball Infinity. We did do an episode talking about Dragon Ball Infinity in the previous podcast, so do make sure you guys do check that out uh, if you are interested in that. But, yeah, the Granola arc, uh, this is one of the most uh, diverse controversial arc i think that you know dragon ball ball super in in, in dragon ball super i feel like it's the community is very much split on how they feel about this arc like i feel like a lot of people really do enjoy the arc and then there's some people who absolutely hate it with a passion they want to go over and like you know pretty much you know burn toyotaro's building uh for 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 making that arc making it ever exist um but yeah but basically is that more his story no, it was Toriyama, but Toriyotaro made the art. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, Sean, this was your first time actually reading in through the arc, which I find very interesting. I'm very curious to, like, hear your thoughts on it. So I feel like it's best, you know, you go ahead and start. How was this granola, how was this arc to you? What are, what are your thoughts on it so far? I liked it. I, uh, I, I started from the Moro arc. And then I read all the way through to the very last chapter of uh, the Granola arc. And out of both, hmm, they were both, I liked, I enjoyed both of them. It's hard to decide which I liked better. But maybe the Granola arc, because I did like the new um, transformations. I did like Granola as a character. He's like one of those characters you don't really know to pin him as more of a good guy, bad guy, anti-hero, you're still... He kind of reminded me of the Mandalorian in the beginning, and then eventually mm. he turned more Dragon Ball-like, but he, he had that vibe to him. He just, yeah, he just cruised around uh, doing jobs and stuff, just collecting money, and uh, his main goal is to get revenge on Frieza. Not really the Saiyans as much, but they do become an option for him and he wants to destroy the remaining ones as well because he blames them and Frieza for what happened to his planet as we do see what happened to it it really got destroyed in it but uh I liked how it started too it started off with uh we didn't just forget about everybody from the last uh arc it starts off with 7-3 and Granola is heading to get his body for this guy named Elec and uh, he 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 gets it. Heads back to Elec, the Heaters. That's their name. Little group. I don't know if they're are they all related or is it just uh, yeah? The Heaters are all Alec. siblings. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They gave me like a uh, BoJack uh, group type vibe in a way, but not. It's Elec wasn't as badass as BoJack, <laughs> but they kind of gave me that that vibe, like a group of villains. That's. That's stuff I like in Dragon Ball, because then it's like uh, each character can fight like their own villain in a way. But it, I, it didn't really turn out like that. I think it was mainly because of the of, the, uh, of like the saber tooth like necklaces and headbands and stuff that they were wearing that really yeah, made yeah, like, like, brought a lot I of like similarities. Yeah. 
and the oh, fact yeah, that they were like bandits and pirates like the, the, the yeah the aesthetics and such too were also very similar like about like Bowjack, you know before he goes like super green big green muscular mode he's like he's got the drip on you know he's got he's got like a lot of like you know yeah, cool yeah. stuff so like which is very they similar to took ha- inspiration from bojack yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt that there's definitely like a lot you know to there that re- that reminds me of bojack but yeah the comparison that i really like though that you brought up was like uh granola you know being very similar to the mandalorian there's a lot of star wars similarities yeah. throughout this arc jordan i remember like you were pointing out so many dragon ball yeah this is the star wars arc of dragon ball a thousand times. <laughs> Like yeah, it was one really good. cool one thing I really like about the Mandalorian parallel is the Mandalorian's raising a little green guy and a little green guy is raising granola. So like I thought that like, yeah yeah it's, it's kind like of a reverse. <laughs> yeah, good old uh, Toriyama. <laughs> yeah, and Monito really does remind me a lot of Yoda too. Like even yeah, his yeah, design, he does like that I think vibe. he has the most Yoda esque design of any Namekian I've seen. Of yeah. course, they've all always reminded me of Yoda a little bit, but Manito yeah, particularly the, the way he's like the way his face is drawn and like his overall design is very Yoda like. Yeah, might have been a little inspiration, but yeah, I, I I dug that it was different. It wasn't just like the last one, which pretty much was a little nostalgic, like being on like Namek in a way, but this time yeah. it was more in space. We're on a foreign planet we're not used to, which was really cool. All new types of villains we've never seen. Other types of threatening villains that, that we've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly um, gas. But just the whole group was cool. It's I did like the uh, dyna- dynamic between uh, Granola and... What was his name? Mi- uh, Minato. Minato? Minato? Yeah. Minato. Very close to uh, Minato. <laughs> so it's going to mess yeah, me up. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, a lot of people don't catch on to this, but Granola, in terms of, like, narrative, the closest thing yeah. he is, is he's like... There's a lot of what-ifs out there, like if Goku never lost his memories. And yeah, yeah. Granola is a lot like if Goku never lost his memories. And, and Minato, if you pay attention... Uh, the set, the set and setting of Manito as a character is a combination of Grandpa Gohan um, and Kami from the original Dragon Ball because he's raising Granola exactly like Grandpa Gohan raised Goku, but Granola still yeah. has that the memories of what happened to him, so that makes him very uh, spiteful and vengeful. Unlike Goku, who forgot about all those things. Granolas, that's yep. like that's what makes that's what corrupts him is his memories, and uh, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, what I like about Manito, it's like Vegeta too. He, like he very, still remembers. He, yeah, he serves a very similar role to Grandpa Gohan and Kami. He's like a he's like the two yeah. characters put together because not only does he establish, you know, what type of character Granola should be in terms of like raising him. But he also establishes how the Dragon Balls should be used in a very similar way to Kami in the original Dragon Ball. So he's like both the characters combined. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's, I, I like when uh, they do stuff like that too. But yeah, and what's funny is <laughs> when you first see the one Dragon Ball, you're like, I guess he's got to collect a bunch of them. You just yeah. need to find one other one because uh, he, he only made the two Dragon Balls. And the dragon was pretty 
pretty uh, cool looking too and different compared yeah. to the other yeah. other ones. But didn't it kind of look like like the universe? What was it? The universe six seven one just shrunken down and a little bit of a different color. I do like yeah, that design. It did, though. it did look like the uh, it did look like Super Shenron quite a bit. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, if, if I'm not it. if I'm not mistaken, he was inspired by a Quetzalcoatl. Those uh, those little lizards that live in like South America and Mexico that have like yeah. the tendrils or like that's that yep. was the inspiration for the design. So yeah, that's I, I knew it reminded me of something. I'm like, it looks kind of looks like a. <laughs> one of those reptiles but i don't know which yeah. one <laughs> yeah but yeah but, it had a cool little design to it i really like the uh, thing the that you brought up like with like uh granola's past is is like you know is the thing that's it's it's basically the par the parallels that i'm seeing with him and vegeta it's like it's granola's past is the thing yeah. that's pretty much fueling him and his ambition to become stronger whereas with vegeta it's like they're they're doing it much more different way. I really like how they did Vegeta in the arc because unlike Renola, it's his past that he's now in a state where he has to overcome, as opposed to like what's giving him strength. Yeah. Which is why like you know, that which is the whole purpose. You know, Beerus's conversation with him at the very like around the very beginning of the arc. You know, basically saying that you know the sins of the past. It, it has nothing to do with you know who you are right now, which I think really kind of does very seamlessly transition from like where vegeta was in the moral arc as he's trying to like you know save the namekians like trying to like redeem himself he's showing you know guilt and maturity and stuff but also in a way it's like he's like the route that he's going it's like it's in order for him to better himself as beerus is trying to like you know teach him is he has to you know let go of that and just just be like the strongest like you know who he is right now and in, in a lot of ways like i think that people get very confused as to how that arc is because vegeta it feels that by him uh removing himself from the from like 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 not acknowledging the sins of the saints because he's so used to like the mindset of being you know the embodiment of what the saints are he feels the need to revert back to his older ways which i think people took that yeah. at face value like oh so they're just trying to make vegeta like how he is in the older days you know using alter ego and stuff when it's just like that's through mostly through vegeta's confusion that he feels the need to be like that he's not actually going to like you know uh you know be like that forgetful of everything that took place for you know for the sake of strength there's there's a lot yeah. more to it like that that vegeta himself is like you know trying to figure out well vegeta doesn't even remind me of older vegeta in ultra ego he does not remind me of yeah. the person that vegeta used to be if anything he he's beerus if anything he's essentially become beerus when he's ultra ego so like i never really understood that complaint because Beerus has always been put on a pedestal in terms of like being above the ideas of morality. So it, it should be pretty clear that that's what they're trying to do with Vegeta. They're essentially just putting him in a spot to where he doesn't have to feel guilty because what he's doing is above the laws of morality. Like he, he's, he's essentially becoming a destroyer god in a sense to where like, yeah. you know, he, he shouldn't feel guilty because he's he's essentially doing the job of a destroyer and you can actually see that in his interaction with granola because what he actually does and he does this with gas too is he actually tests the resolve of each character and this is something that um you know vegeta has done in the past in dragon ball z he did it with frieza he did it with cell uh you know he he really puts these characters in a position where they've got to really consider 
their position, and that's always sort of been his role in the series is to be the tough guy that like really puts yeah. these people's ideas to the test, and that's what he did with Granola and Gas. So I think more so the intention is with Vegeta's character to be to through destruction push these people, these characters that he's facing to new heights um, through testing their resolve. If you'll notice uh, that scene where um, that scene where Vegeta uh, pushes Granola to break his limits and become more powerful is very, very reminiscent to Beerus forcing Goku to do the same thing whenever he was a Super Saiyan God in Battle of the Gods. So it it people look at it as like Vegeta is just like being a destructive force of nature when really in reality. It's more so a play on the fact that before creation comes destruction. So he's using destruction to challenge these people's ideas so they can destroy themselves and recreate themselves from scratch and become better people. So he's mm-hmm. actually serve he's actually serving the purpose of helping characters around him um develop. He's not actually doing they anything just- He's not actually doing anything that anyone should actually look down on in terms of narrative. He's actually just helping these characters come to their ultimate conclusion in terms of how devoted they are to, uh, you know, how far they're willing to go to, you know, uh, achieve their goals. So yeah, even he helps people like in a different way compared yeah. to like Goku, like with uh, yeah, he even calls it tough. I love. thought he was. When, yeah, he's yeah, fighting pretty Granola, much. He, he he literally calls it tough love. So like, you yeah. know, which I know yeah. a lot of people consider an odd <laughs> line. I mean, I, when I, I remember when I first read it, I was like, wait a minute, tough love. That's kind of interesting for Vegeta to say, but I actually understand <laughs> yeah. what he means by that. He's like, look, yeah, it's like exactly like, what I, he if does. If you really think that you're that tough and that you have the moral high ground, I'm going to put that to the test. And I like that, yeah. about Vegeta, mm-hmm. specifically yeah, in that yeah. arc. Yep. Yeah, most definitely. It's like it, it, I I could say though because the way in particular that he challenges Granola at the end because he had an he had an opportunity and this is like much later in the like in the arc, but um he had the, yeah. he got he found the Senzu bean that was you know in his armor and stuff and he had an opportunity for him to take it himself, but instead of doing instead of actually yeah. taking the Senzu bean for himself, he gave it to Granola and said, "Hey, this is your opportunity." to you know take your revenge and do and 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 get revenge against the people who killed your family who killed your race and all yeah, and yeah. like who, who basically had everything to do with it and i don't i don't know because like part of me feels like what he was trying to do with granola was ultimately not the path that he was eventually going to do it almost seemed like you know counterintuitive but it almost seemed like if like i guess one could argue, see that and argue well if granola didn't you know, try to go for revenge right then and there, then he wouldn't have been able to get that out of his system and realize that it wasn't the way for him to go in the first place. That's true, yeah. but it also it also was almost his doom. Um, because in the end, had, yep. had Granola listened to Vegeta, he would have suffered the same fate that Vegeta suffered when he faced Frieza on Namek, which is something that a lot of people uh, overlook, yeah. is that that arc is paralleling... <laughs> what Vegeta went through on Namek, Granola not paying for his mistakes I did is, not a, even catch is a literal parallel to Vegeta paying for the mentality that he was trying to push on to Granola. And 
you know that that's very purposely done because the per the the person that Vegeta is going to be dealing with in the next arc is the person that he wants revenge on more than anyone else that he's ever faced in his entire life. So, you know, him witnessing Granola come out on top is a hint as to what they plan on doing with Vegeta in the future because the second time if Vegeta doesn't put away his selfish intentions, he's going to suffer the same consequences that he did on Namek uh all those years ago. And the, and there's actually a perfect example of them spelling this out to us in earlier Dragon Ball Super, and I've talked about this quite a few times on Twitter. But if you remember at the end of Return of, of uh, the Return of Frieza, whenever Vegeta has the upper hand against Frieza, that scene is a direct parallel to how Goku handled Frieza when he had the upper hand on Frieza on Namek. If you'll notice, Vegeta actually treats Frieza the exact opposite way as Goku whenever Goku was on Anik. You're essentially seeing what would have happened if Vegeta became a Super Saiyan and had the upper hand against Frieza on Namek. Mm -hmm. The only reason yeah. that Frieza didn't destroy uh, Goku was because he felt the need to surpass him to the point that he was willing to do anything to surpass Goku, including letting Goku live so he could come back and surpass him later. But Vegeta took that opportunity away from Frieza, and that was the reason that Frieza destroyed Earth, because he was taking away Frieza's opportunity to actually prove his superiority in the future. So that was essentially the, our, our way of being, or the series way of showing us how Goku manipulated Frieza on Namek and how Vegeta's antics actually tend to bite him in the ass, because he doesn't realize that he's actually not taking advantage of the same manipulation tactics that Goku is in terms of the villains that he's facing. So, yeah. whenever Vegeta tells Granola to get his revenge, right afterwards, Granola almost gets killed. Yep. And then at the very I end thought of he the died. arc... Yeah, <laughs> and then at the very end of the arc, when he decides not to take his revenge because he's more worried about Manito, that actually yeah. ends up working out for the best for him because... We shows up and ends up reviving Manito as a result of Granola showing concern for him. So yeah, the yeah. entire, and, and I've talked about this to great lengths on my YouTube channel, but the entire narrative of that arc is very similar to Namek in a way, to where it's essentially trying to explain to you how the plot rewards and, and uh, punishes people based on their intentions and based on and it also is establishing mm -hmm. to you that when you use the dragon balls with selfish intentions it multiplies the effect of those decisions and that's the reason that it actually ends up bringing you doom because the selfish decisions already yeah, bite you in the ass in the universe of dragon ball but if you yeah, use yeah. the dragon balls to make a selfish decision it's going to multiply that effect to great lengths and it's actually going to make it's also it's going to bring you your doom faster and that's the reason like every villain you see in the past who has used the dragon balls they all end up su suffering some sort of karmic fate like yeah. moro for example uh King moro, piccolo he was yeah and piccolo <laughs> yeah. like moro, moro for example, he was a master criminal who loved yep. to steal things and what ultimately ended up being his destruction was him stealing Mirus's powers. So it's an ironic twist on who Moro is as a character. His his need to steal and be a criminal actually ends up being his destruction. 
And every yep, single yep. villain throughout Dragon Ball, this is how things play out. And on Namek specifically, uh, Even Frieza Garlic and Vegeta, Jr. despite the fact that they never get their wish, those two characters yeah. are treated as characters that the Nameks will not allow to use the Dragon Balls because they know that those wishes are going to multiply. They're essentially going to throw the universe off balance, and it can essentially not only doom planet Namek, but the entire universe. And Gas yeah. and Granola, despite the fact they that they barely get their use wishes, them, the, the Namekians. Yeah, yeah despite they, the fact that own, they, they get barely their use wishes, their own Dragon Balls. Um, despite the fact that they get their wishes, um, they end up either suffering as a result of their decisions, or uh, Granola ends up getting the best possible scenario as a result of being influenced by Goku and Vegeta and Manito and stuff like that. So there is a yeah. there is a, a hidden narrative to that arc that's sort of being overlooked, and that is the standard that the overall plot has for Dragon Ball users in terms of whether or not they will succeed in their use of the Dragon Balls. And Gas is actually a, a superb example of this, because the very standard yeah. that Kami set forth uh, in the original Dragon Ball in terms of what he felt a Dragon Ball user should be Gas actually starts to become that type of character after he faces Bardock. So if you remember, and this is a, this is a reference to the classic effect that Goku has on everybody around him. So essentially, Gas yeah. was starting to change in the same way that Frieza changed as a result of being exposed to uh, Bardock. Um, yeah, so yeah. what happens is, forty years later, Gas is so hell bent on being on proving his superiority that he is trained. And he, he is very skeptical about using the Dragon Balls to essentially take care of their issues because he's trained for the past 40 years and he wants to use his own strength to solve, you know, his problems. Yeah, and, and he has, like, he original, made, like, his own ability too, right? Like, he created Yeah, that. and in the original Dragon Ball, Kami says that one of the standards for a Dragon Ball user is using your own strength to solve your own problems. He actually says that word for word. Yeah. So Gas was actually on the way to being the type of warrior that, you know, uh, Frieza has become at the end of this arc, or Goku, or uh, a number of different characters, but due to Elec's influence, not only did he doom himself, uh, Elec doomed himself as a result of trying to influence Gas yeah. in the wrong direction. So there is like a hidden narrative to this arc that a lot of people overlook. It's actually one of the yep. most rich arcs in terms of like references... Uh, to previous materials, specifically in Dragon Ball, but also like Star Wars and stuff like that. Um, it's a, it's yeah, a particularly yeah, yeah. rich arc when it comes to like referencing things. And that's actually one of the reasons that I love it so much because it actually references um, the original Dragon Ball in terms of Gohan and Goku's relationship. It, it references King Piccolo versus Goku in terms of like uh, Goku needing to harden his heart in order to defeat Gas. That's actually what King Piccolo said to Goku whenever he was a kid in the original Dragon Ball. And, yeah. you know, that's also what Goku had to do against Frieza on Namek. And we get we sort of get this, like, pseudo-Super Saiyan state uh, from Bardock, you know, during his flashback. So there's, like, yeah. tons of references and tons of, like, things that happen in the arc that help further explain things that happened in the past. And I think... That's probably one of the main reasons that this arc is so controversial because it kind of destroys a lot of people's preconceived notions about how Toriyama conceived the events 
a lot of people they they come up with their own idea of the narrative and they come up with their own idea of what the actual events are trying to tell you and then Toriyama comes along and he's like actually no what you guys think I was trying to say is not what I was trying to say. It's the total opposite. This is what I was trying to say. And I think people don't respond to that very well. I think probably because... I do because I actually really enjoy the actual narrative of Dragon Ball itself in terms of like uh, being a worthy Dragon Ball user. um, You know, Goku's ability to purify those around him. The fact that he's the most pure being in the universe. I like those themes in Dragon Ball. So, you know... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's... It's definitely one of my favorite arcs in Super. Actually, the Moro arc and the Granola arc are probably uh, just just for the simple fact that they're manga only. Some of your arcs favorites and I didn't in Super. Them in anime form first. They were yeah, extremely yeah. enjoyable to me for that reason because I'm I tend to lean towards manga as a consumer. So yeah, yeah. You know, getting to experience new manga from Dragon Ball Super and those two particular arcs was very uh, very enjoyable for me. Are those your favorite in Super? Currently, um, I would say it's tough, man. People ask me that all right? the time. <laughs> it's tough. Like, I can't like, decide which one I like out of the two more. <laughs> yeah, like here's the thing. I I'm a huge fan of Dragon Ball Super. It's no secret. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. A yeah. Lot, and now I do understand a lot of the complaints about Dragon Ball Super in terms of it not seeming like the original material. Uh, the way that yeah, it's portrayed it, is very lighthearted in comparison to the 90s era and stuff like that. So I do understand the criticisms, and I do understand why some people are skeptical to just embrace it as the new era of Dragon Ball. Because it's nothing like yeah. Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball GT in terms of like the animation style. Um, yeah, the anim- animation style has changed. And things like that. It's, there's a lot of yep. Japanese pop culture wrapped up into it. Uh, yeah, it, it's definitely like a modern anime, uh, in comparison yeah. to the classic that we got in the '90s. That is Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball GT. So I can kind of see why people are skeptical to enjoy it when it is so different as a result of it being yeah, a yeah. modern interpretation. But I love it because, yeah, like, same I was, I'm, I'm, I'm a Toriyama fan first. And yep. I like a lot of his old gag material. I like a lot of <laughs> yeah. like I like a lot of his material in general. So seeing Super handled in a more lighthearted way, uh, and the and the the format that they chose to use and implement in modern material, I find very enjoyable. And I actually think it's more yeah. streamlined and more uh, yep. well put together than the original stuff. In a certain sense, not that I, not that I think it's overall better, but like they really have the formula down in terms of yeah, they out know what they want to do in comparison to the older era. Yeah, but yeah. but one specific thing that I realize that the arc does differently, and I feel like this is what where a lot of people's like criticism. I think that well, actually no, I'm I'm actually going to say I, I'm a little bit criticism like I have a little bit of criticism for this is specifically the way. That they handle gas. And now I understand that the way that they handle gas in particular, um, you know, they, they like, they, there's, a, there's a lot of, like, the, there's a lot, because, of, like, what you said, Jordan, there's, like, this arc is so rich and filled with so much, you know, philosophical and, like, you know, like, and, and things with, the, you know, with the lore of, like, you know, Dragon Ball and stuff 
uh, like you know like tying back to it that the they're basically making these characters as means of exemplifying specific routes that specific characters mentioned or talked about or you know like the result of 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 individual actions like like what you were talking about with gas like in particular i thought that was very interesting like you know how he um how how originally he was going to only use his own powers and then Alec was like no just use the powers you got from the from the dragon balls and that ended up you know biting yeah, him yeah. in the ass but the thing is about that i realize is that gas doesn't have and this is why i feel like you know people can't really connect with this arc as much is that gas can't really like he doesn't really garner that that, that sort of hype where you would see like you know normal yep. villains have in order to when, whenever you know you would watch them you know take down he doesn't really like he's not really like a character that moves the plot it's more so Elec that's moving the plot yeah. and Gas being the person you know within the strings which is why it's like when people are reading through this arc it's it's such a different thing from what we usually watch Dragon Ball for Goku mm-hmm. Black was for example is a villain you know, who definitely moved the arc, who had ambitions, who made things, you know, really interesting. Uh, even Jiren, I think, yeah, he had, yeah, even yeah. though he wasn't, he didn't really, like, talk too much in the anime at the very least, he had, you know, ambitions that seemed to, you know, you know, make him more interesting. He still had that mystery behind him. But with Gas, yeah, yeah. he doesn't really have any of that, which drives him as, you know, as the villain in, in, in the ways that other characters did, which is why he just, it, 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 it I think it it caught it caught me a, a little bit off guard on the initial read, like it, and it's definitely I feel like it, there's a little bit like that in there. It's not necessary. It's it's just it's so different from like the way that they usually go about writing antagonists and villains in Dragon Ball. I, I feel, you know, it, it, especially because Dragon Ball Z is known to garner a lot of hype. He doesn't really have that. Well, as yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely in terms of like the narrative of his character. And this is what I was talking about when I was talking about their ability to streamline, their ability to portray the narrative that they want to. Every single arc has the same narrative in terms of, like, the use of the Dragon Balls. Goku's nature, like, who he is as an individual is essentially what the plot is trying to say every character should have. That's what the That's the overall narrative of Dragon Ball is everybody needs to be more like Goku, right? (laughs) And Gas was heading in that direction. Right. Yeah, he was. Uh, I never I even think thought that, of that. Like his character is streamlined in a way to portray a message and portray the message in such a specific way that it is jarring to fans because unless you understand that that is the purpose of his character, you're just going to see him as a villain who who you know didn't really get to shine and was just a victim of his brother. If you don't understand that the purpose of his character is to show the downside to having the opposite mentality as Goku, very similar to Frieza's mentality in uh, on Namek. If you don't understand that, then yeah. he's not going to be... You have to understand the actual narrative of the character itself. Now, I think Gas's biggest, biggest issue as a character, personally, is how little time they used to, you know, flesh him out as a character Build and how up. little time they had access mm. to. Because by the time... Yeah, they really didn't show him much. You, like, he... It's, everything moves so quickly. So, like, the stuff with him and Bardock... Yeah. You know, that was a good way of fleshing out his character, and, I, and that did help a lot. But again, it's, yeah, a, it's yeah. in a very small window of time, and unless you understand exactly what they're trying to do with him, you're not going to understand what the purpose of his interaction with Bardock is... So it's going to seem very jarring, and it's going to seem like his character is not being developed very much. 
a lot of people don't understand that when gas is asking bardock what's going through your mind how are you like what when he's asked he's literally asking bardock the secret to this to success in the dragon ball universe Mm -hmm. that's what he's doing People don't realize yeah. that what that's what he's doing. Even highlighting but, the weaknesses that Goku and Vegeta have to overcome, like what you mentioned in Danny's video. Right, right, right. So Gas is essentially trying to figure out what makes Bardock successful. And from a narrative standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, he is supposed to embody why Goku has been successful in the past, despite the fact that sometimes he has killing intent. Because the series itself tries to paint killing intent as a bad thing in multiple occasions. But what they're trying to point out is is that when Goku and Bardock get pushed into a corner and their survival instincts kick in, they, they have pure intentions at that point. Because it's, it's either kill or be killed. It's do or die. And yeah. at that point, they're not, doing any, they're not doing it for malicious reasons. They're just trying to survive. And when you're talking about the use of the Dragon Balls, selfish intent is what causes you to suffer as a result of using the Dragon Balls. So Bardock was alleviating the consequences that he could have felt by taking on pure intentions as a result of thinking about nothing but his survival. And that's essentially what what that whole entire scene is about, is showing you why Goku in the past has been able to get away with having killing intent despite the fact that he has a pure heart and despite the fact that he has pure intentions which is what the Namek's established on Namek is the requirement for somebody to use the Dragon Balls. Whenever the Elder uh, whenever the elder Namek is unlocking Krillin and Gohan's potential before he'll do it he actually he actually scans their memories and makes sure that they have pure intentions before he'll allow them to use the Dragon Balls because that is a requirement from the Namekians because they know that selfish wishes bring doom upon not only the planet but the entire universe so essentially that whole entire thing is just teaching you the secret of selfishness it's teaching you how Goku can kill people and get away with it (laughs) and why he's so successful so like I think more than anything Gas as a character suffers from the prerequisites in terms of how you need to process the information that the arc is throwing your way because if you're just if you're just looking at it as like uh like you know just another big bad villain who is a, if you're <laughs> yeah. looking at it like it's a superhero <laughs> comic and there's not and, and and it's not like there's nothing below the surface then it does kind of seem underwhelming it seems like he's the Darth Vader of the arc who who was only a badass for maybe uh, you know, a few chapters. Yeah, then like, Alec is the Sith like, Lord. I mean, he was... <laughs> he was really messing them up, though. But Yeah, he was. Yeah, I, like, he I, was... I, I, I was... I like Gas, but again... I was really interested when he first, like, put uh, Granola in that, that lock and just took him down like that. I'm like, oh, crap, I want to see this guy fight. I think fight. the turning point for me was when they removed the charm from his head. The, the, oh yeah, when that happened, I was like, "Oh the shit!" From his head, and then he <laughs> controlled his inner nature. I was like, "Okay, yeah. this is about to get interesting." Because, and then again, whenever he was destroying himself as a result of using the Dragon Balls, I thought that was very interesting too. Because that's yeah, that that was new and cool. To, it, yeah, that, that was, was different remini- to see reminiscent that. Reminiscent of Darth Vader. Uh, 
becoming disfigured and, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Going to the dark side. Yep, yep. yep. Damn, so essentially, that's such a sad story, too. using the Dragon Balls in selfish ways is the dark side. Like, that's, yeah, that's what this is. Like, granola, like you, you'll notice, and this is something that I've talked about multiple times as well, but yes, granola does, uh, he does parallel gas and Goku and Vegeta, but one of the most overlooked um, things about the arc, in my opinion, was the parallel between Bardock and Granola. Because Granola, yes. and, and they even, when they show the Cerulean's, this is, this is really interesting. When they show the Cerulean's, they actually show the Cerulean's as like anti-Saiyans. Because they live in peace and harmony with the Namekians on their planet. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're generally more pacifistic, despite the fact that they're bounty hunters, in comparison to the Saiyans. So, from the very beginning, Granola and his race are set up to be anti-Saiyans, in a sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then opposite. Granola ends up developing in the exact opposite way of Goku uh, on Earth. Yeah. Despite the fact that he came from a peaceful race, he ends up being corrupted as a result of his need for revenge. And yep. he's generally, by heart, a good person. Okay, Granola, yeah. by his very nature, is a good person at heart. But he had selfishness sprout up within him as a result of his need for revenge. And the what makes that really cool is how that parallels Bardock in terms of the use of the Dragon Balls. So Bardock was an inherently uh, selfish person. Uh-huh. And they actually go out yep. of their way to like highlight this multiple times in the arc. Even after Bardock has saved Manito and, and uh, Granola, he actually tells Manito that nobody gives him orders and that He's going to stay and defeat Gas no matter what it takes because that's what he wants. He's an inherently yeah. selfish person by nature uh, in, in, in a way that Granola was becoming as a result of his need for revenge. So yep. Bardock was a character who was inherently selfish, who randomly committed acts of kindness, and Granola was yeah. a character who was uh, good by nature, who randomly con- you know committed selfish acts. And Bardock, as a result of his selfless actions, ends up making a wish that saves the entire universe and the multiverse multiple times over. And Granola, as a result of his selfish intentions, (laughs) almost destroys his entire planet. So that's what I'm saying about the narrative being so rich, is that all of these characters are connected in such a way that it's almost like like if you look at the actual parallels between each and every individual character it's actually mind blowing how well they played on the personality traits of each character and how they paralleled each other mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons that I really love the arc is because it's really well put together and refined in that way i mean even yeah, even yeah. looking at gas and elec if you look at gas and elec uh, they even have negative character traits that Granola starts to develop. And those negative character traits are also very reminiscent of the negative character traits that Frieza used to have prior to showing up uh, and killing Gas and Elec. So Frieza killing Gas and Elec is almost like Frieza symbolically destroying uh, character traits that he used to have that he that he feels that are unnecessary at this point. So there's like a, re- yeah. there's a lot of really deep stuff about this arc. 
There, like, there is, yeah. That's that's why we like having you on here. <laughs> I now, like, you do have that really, really nice analysis <laughs> of how you look go into things, and and right. it, it opens up my mind more. There's a lot of things I didn't even catch on, but there was stuff that I do catch on to, but I don't always catch it, and I don't always think of certain things. So right. Uh, well, it's really you yeah. Know, so it, it took me multiple, multiple read-throughs to catch on to everything. Yeah, but yeah. Part of the reason that I'm always trying to point out the parallels between Journey to the West and Dragon Ball is because a lot of the reasons I notice what they're doing with the characters is because I've read Journey to the West and I know that yeah. it's just Toriyama playing on the same source material over and over and over and over and over again. Like for example, yep. Um, Whenever gas takes the charm off his head and that releases his inner nature, ah, that's the exact opposite. That's the exact opposite of Sun Wukong, because Sun Wukong wore a crown on his head that uh, yep. anytime his inner nature would come out, uh, his master would chant this this sutra and it would tame his inner nature. So like, even gas in himself is a play. Like it's like a reverse. It's like a role reversal in terms of like. The Monkey King, in that sense, and the, enti- yeah. the thing is, kinda, like, except of, except for the fact that it actually, you know, they they both function in the same way. They both are tools to like hold each other's inner nature. Sorry, I've, I'll let you keep, I'll let you keep going. No, it's fine. No, I'm inter- no, I want to know what you're gonna say. No, it's fine. I mean, Broly had the, something like that too from his father. Yeah, well, that's yeah, what I'm the, saying. It's because he's taking from the same source material over and over and over and again, and just doing it in different ways. <laughs> Even, so like, did, were so like, Bojack and them like that, or they just no. transformed? They just transformed. Yeah, they didn't so have anything Bojack like that. Bojack is Toei. Bojack is a Toei. Uh, oh creation. yeah, yeah, so yeah. In most cases, yeah. they don't do things the same way. But Toei is yeah. actually infamous, infamous for this as well because <laughs> the original Broly, as you know, also had a headband. Uh, he was also yep. he had a his father had a remote that he would push to like you yeah. know cancel out control so like, his power yep yep yeah right 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 so it's not that toei doesn't do it too it's just they don't do it sometimes they don't do it as blatantly as toriyama like toriyama has yeah. like a formula and he sticks to that formula and toei tries to recreate it sometimes and sometimes <laughs> they do a really good job other times they yeah. don't but like yep <laughs> but like they even they have an understanding of the fact that that is his formula and you can actually see that yeah, specifically yeah. in a lot of the dragon ball z films because like lord slug uh, or not lord slug but like uh a, a lot of these characters have some kind of weird references to stuff in mythology and stuff in the same way that toriyama does like janemba for example the fact that he was being yep. put through the reincarnation machine you know, uh, and that yeah. he was pure evil incarnate. It's very similar to Boo in that sense. It's very similar to how oh, yeah. uh, Toriyama right. played on the creation of Boo. Like they just take a lot of the stuff that Toriyama <laughs> does, and they just do like their own spins on it over and over and over and over. Yeah, they yeah they like, try. If you really look at like all the characters and like when they came out, like Turles is a great example because Turles is like he's the original like anti Goku. Turles, yeah, and a lot of his. A lot of his yeah, yeah. character traits mm-hmm. Same thing. <laughs> are a lot of his character traits are verbatim what the Monkey King uh had. I was about like to ask. He, he was ruthless. <laughs> he even ate a fruit to gain power. I remember that. 
That's and the, the fruits of immortality. To, yeah, to eat, to get immortality. So, um, yeah. you know, like they do do the same thing, but they just do it in their own way. A lot of times, what they'll do yeah, is yeah. Toriyama will come up with a character, and then they'll immediately come up with a character inspired by that character. So, like, so like you know, Turles follows the Saiyan saga. Uh, you know, Slug follows all the stuff with Piccolo. Um, yep. You know. Uh, cooler like, Frieza. Yeah, cooler follows Frieza. <laughs> Androids, uh, you know, Androids. Garlic Junior <laughs> definitely follows. Garlic Junior definitely follows Piccolo. Junior for sure. Garlic Junior for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that like. I never really like Garlic Junior. And because Jr. I'm aware that this that's essentially what they do in every single arc, it really <laughs> helps me get. It gives me like a blueprint to like look for what they're like the message that they're trying to portray. You know what I mean? Yeah, Whereas yeah. a lot of people who haven't read it, they don't understand that you can do you can use it as a blueprint to figure out those things. They don't understand that. So it so the way I interpret the the story is very different than the average you know Dragon Ball consumer because I'm like yeah. it, it, it yeah, would be you're, different. You're... It would be different if I found one reference, but when yeah. I find thousands. <laughs> Dozens and dozens, thousands. Yeah, like if I, like when I just keep finding the same stuff over and over. Yeah, and yeah. Over again, I'm like, okay, yeah, I've got it. I've got. It's like, blatant. Yeah, he got, uh, it's, it's clearly blatant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's blatant. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you guys something. When you first saw Granola, what did you perceive him as? More. I mean, we were kind of talking about it a little bit before we started, but. I kind of just I looked at him. Were saying he was a fallen angel. I thought I he. That. I thought he looked like some weird <laughs> oh, version. Yeah, I remember that. I thought he looked like. I remember that. Yeah, I thought he was. <laughs> I wasn't sure if he was an angel. I wasn't sure. He looked like another version of Zamasu or something too. Like when I first saw, like when I first saw his design, I was like yeah. kind of confused. I mean, now it's like that, that's completely gotten over that. Like it's, I can see I him loved, as his own character. I, I, I love it. The his first design. thing I thought was his color scheme reminds me of Link. Ah, uh, who? Legend of Zelda Link. Like his oh. outfit reminds me of Link. Like it has like that uh, it has like that Renaissance like vibe, but it also has like a sci-fi aesthetic thrown in as well. So it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Looking. So the first thing, because if you remember, like they show Granola like at the end of the Moral Arc. So when I first, yeah. when I first saw him, I was like, he's clearly a bounty hunter. And I saw his blaster, yeah. and I was like, his blaster looks a lot like a lightsaber, and like, the the seventy three <laughs> army reminds me a lot of the clone <laughs> army, you know what the I mean? Clones. Like a lot of clone army from Star Wars. I uh, knew so like, like one of his top traits was something with a sniper because of the uh, the little um, yeah. eyepiece he had on oatmeal. But I, I was curious well, yeah, how that worked. That was another yeah. thing. I noticed that he. I noticed that. I noticed that. Um, that he was a modified scouter. And I remember... Yeah, yeah, remember yeah. It did look that like out. that. I remember when Granola was first shown, I was like, that's a modified scouter. And I remember pointing that out and people being like, Shit, oh, well, yeah. he obviously has some connection to the Saiyans. So, like, I do remember Which that. Which he did. <laughs> yeah. Except did, you, did they say... Except he's got AI. He's got that... AI. He's living in 2020, bro. Like, living 2022, bro. Like, he's got that artificial <laughs> intelligence and everything now. He's gonna throw that in the scouter and make he's it better. He's got his Bluetooth. <laughs> his Bluetooth. <laughs> what did they say... Kind of it's actually kind of a shame that they never really explained... Uh, 
oatmeal more. Oatmeal? Like I Yeah, I like really did they say he was an AI right away? No, right? No, not right away, but like the fact that I he didn't is know a what the hell he was. <laughs> and the fact that he is artificial intelligence yeah. and all this good stuff, like I just think he could have a really cool backstory, but we never found out, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of, you know what that reminded me of now? Now that well, now thinking of it more, it's like shit, that was kind of like Tony Stark with yeah. uh mm-hmm. yeah, like oh shit but at first R2-D2 i didn't know it reminded me whenever he, <laughs> yeah, whenever he Luke was piloting and the ship it reminded me of r2d2 yeah yeah mm-hmm. but I, I i i didn't know if he was an ai or a little alien or someone somewhere else just talking to him so i didn't know that until because at some point he threw it and then he needed it back and then he was apologizing to oatmeal then that's when we found out he was an ai I'm like, oh, well, actually, shit. I remember I found out through a through a Toyotaro interview. Like, I actually uh, found out a little bit before it. the whole thing where he cast him off because, like, yeah, yeah, Toyotaro did like an interview where he was like, yeah, he's a AI, and I was just like, oh, that's cool. He's the guy who created Super Saiyan Four design. No. Um, oh, okay, okay. No, T- that's somebody is else. The that current. He is the current. Uh, artist. Yeah, he helps him now, but the, uh, I I was doing like a video on research and uh, the he guy did who Super made Saiyan Super Saiyan Five. He came up with Super Saiyan Five. Yeah, before the job, which is a cool and Zycor. He but he but he actually <laughs> the funny story about that is he actually stole the design from a Mexican uh, Tablos, a Mexican author. Yeah. Who created a form yep, that yep. was not Super Saiyan Five? I think it was like called Spirit Killer. Spirit or Killer, like yeah, that. yeah. But like they're making a figure. Yeah, of it. The, the, the Super Saiyan Five <laughs> design wasn't even originally Super Saiyan Five. Yeah, yeah. It, there are just cool designs, but yeah, I was doing like a like a Dragon Ball Z uh, father of Go- the Bardock father of Goku, and. I never knew that he was going to be... That's awesome. He was going to be designed uh, a lot different than what he originally looked like. And the guy who yeah. did that uh, was the guy who made Super Saiyan, the Super Saiyan 4 design. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And thankfully, Toriyama did make some tweaks to Bardock to how he looks in, in Z. Yeah, but yeah. Because I thought, he originally I was, thought that was way... the guy. I'm like, is that him? And he I'm was like, going to no. look way more like a barbarian. Yeah, like a, more like, like an, an average 80s, Saiyan. Like a he would have had the style. same. He 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 looked like something from an '80s style, like He Man cartoon. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Actually, that's a like very. He had the same armor as uh, Turles. Besides, he had the straps and not the points. But he yeah. had the armor going down the side of the legs on the front, and his hair was like a little wavy to the side. So I was like, thank God, Toriyama saved us once again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh... That's that's an interesting <laughs> where, where we... the thing. Because like, you say, like, because... Wait, hold on. What do you mean that Toriyama, like, uh, saved them? Because I know that when it comes to Bardock, you like prefer, he, like, the older uh, version, he, right? He, uh... Well, he... This is what we're talking about, the Z version. Yeah, he... 
the other guy did <gasps> oh, a rhythmic oh, concept. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. No, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah like Toriyama the original just made design. tweaks to Bardock's design and his team, and they. Yeah, sorry, so I thought you were talking about. I thought you were talking about the current. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the current Z Bardock versus Super Bardock. I got got that mixed up. No, I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I like I like both those versions because Toriyama did both. Watch the short he made, guys. Like he talks about he's talking about that Bardock. But anyways, yeah. Like speaking of Bardock, I feel like he's the biggest. He's one of the big, the strongest subjects of conversation, you know, when it like when it comes to the the, the fandom because they definitely did made a lot of differences here. Like originally, you know, when it came to yeah. Dragon Ball Super Broly, um, it, like it was Toriyama adapting Dragon Ball minus into it, and now here when it comes to you know the manga, it, it's kind of helping expand a lot more on like on like you know why Bardock was yeah. suspicious of of Frieza destroying planet. It definitely makes it a lot more apparent why Bardock would think that that's going to end up happening. Thanks to, you know, gas and stuff. It helps out. It helps out. That's right. Um, He finds out a totally different way compared to the TV special. Yeah. But like one of the things now, now I know that you're the biggest Bardock fan here in this VC. You got like, (laughs) you got like a whole tattoo on, on, of him, like on your arm right now. Like, how do you personally feel of the, (laughs) it's not done. Oh, exactly. <laughs> like, how do you personally yeah. feel of, about how they handled Bardock in this arc? And you know, in comparison, like, what are your overall thoughts on on it? I really enjoyed it because they they you got more background into him, and they pretty much like what Jordan was saying. Bardock, uh, pretty much a selfish guy, which how he was. That's how he was in uh, uh, Father of Goku. But towards the end, he like becomes the hero and and more good hearted. Uh, which he does the, the more he's trying to protect uh, little Granola and uh, what's his name? The I don't want to say Minato. Minato, yeah, protecting them from gas, pretty much. But I really did like uh, that we got more than just seeing him in the Broly movie in the beginning, which I love too. And then he just we see him do his thing, trying to stop Frieza with his blast. <laughs> and but yeah, I. Anything Bardock, I will most likely be into, and I, when I'm talking about it, I try not to just fanboy, <laughs> but I did <laughs> <Yeah>. enjoy it. <laughs> I did enjoy uh, that them adding in that 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 kind of like flashback scene. They don't do that too much in Super. I don't no, think they do but it, it that much the in Super. Well, in this case, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I remember they showed you some of it in, uh, I guess, like, the middle chapters or earlier. But then it, like, just stopped. And you're like, wait, did Bardock beat him or what happened? <laughs> How did, uh... They don't show you again until later on. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah it, it, I remember it, there the was a lot was great of suspense too. when the arc was running during that whole thing. There was a lot yeah, of Yeah, because they waited, like, three or four chapters or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Because... Yeah, I, I didn't think they were going to go back to it. It was almost at the end of the arc, and I really back up. like, I really like that when Bardock and Gas are fighting, that a lot of the choreography is a reference to whenever Goku was fighting uh, King Piccolo. As a matter of fact, uh, whenever Bardock says, uh, whenever Bardock <laughs> says, the, um, you know, he's thinking about nothing but survival in a life or death situation. Um, Goku actually hints that that's what he's thinking when he fights King Piccolo because he actually tells King Piccolo, he's like, 
So it's just me and you in a battle of life or death. Who's gonna You're come talking out about on top. like when he was a little kid fighting him. Yeah, yeah, when he was not, a kid. not at so the tournament. Okay, essentially okay. when this is this is my favorite thing about Bardock and like you know Goku and like Piccolo and like like the way all these characters connect yeah. is is Bardock is going through a very very similar character progression as Piccolo Junior. So. Piccolo Jr., if you remember, the whole entire reason he changed as a person was because... And keep in mind, Piccolo Jr. was also a guy who was like, survival first. Like, he even threw Gohan... He even threw Gohan into the wilderness to learn how to survive. And that's literally... That's literally (laughs) what... That's Bardock to to the highest degree. Bardock and Piccolo are so much alike in that sense. And so, the effect that Gine and Goku had on Bardock is... Ex- verbatim the exact same effect that Gohan had on Piccolo and it's also the same effect mm. that Grandpa Gohan had on little Goku so like you know there's they really highlight the effect <laughs> that all of these characters have on each other um, yeah. through Bardock and I really personally I just like how they went about establishing Bardock as the the um, the source of Goku's nature when he gets ingrained into battle. We've always noticed that when Goku gets ingrained into battle and his heart starts pumping, he seems like a little bit dif- he seems like a different person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. whenever he's like thrown into the fight and he's like, you know, just it's do or die, it's life or death. Yep. He has this like he has like this malicious grin. <laughs> so yeah, like yeah. Comes on his face, especially sometimes. when he's in Super you know, like Saiyan when he Three. Cell. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, it, it re- my favorite thing about that whole thing is they did a great job establishing Bardock as the source of that part of Goku's nature, and yeah. like I really like that. A lot of people over, a lot of people think that you know, I, I actually find this really funny that Vegeta talks about how Bardock is the reason that Goku has a. Like soft, kind nature because Bardock did not have a soft, kind nature. He actually had to to develop it. And Vegeta yeah. in that arc particularly is kind of treated as uh, it's it's almost like they're predicting what the fans who don't understand exactly what's going on are going to say, and they're using Vegeta as a means of parroting what a fan who didn't have a complete understanding of the picture would say if they were reading it. Because not only did um not only did uh Goku not survive as a result of a wish because that's not how that works but yeah. he also um he also didn't inherit his nature from Bardock Bardock got his nature from being influenced by Gine and Goku got his kinder nature through being influenced by Grandpa Gohan so like mm. I I really like how they uh, how they use Vegeta as a means of being like, like if you if you don't really put much thought into it, Vegeta, he's a great example of like the type of person who would just hear the plot points that they're laying down and just be like and just take it at face value and not put any more thought into it and then get pissed about it because that's essentially what Vegeta did. He was like, "This is bullcrap." He's like, "I've looked up <laughs> to you my whole life because you're like, you were like a lower class Saiyan who survived." <laughs> 
You know what I mean? And now, like, I'm finding out you had this wish made. This is some bullshit. Like, he's really good at <laughs> You and cheated. That's essentially, that's essentially what the fans were saying, but what they don't understand is, is that's not what's going on. And I have talked about this so many times that, like, it's mind-numbing. Vegeta's but. always, like, wrong. You can't trust Vegeta as being, like, you know, the guy to give you information because it's always based off of his false preconceived notion. Based off of his, that's right, his that's ego. Right. If you look at Bardock delivering Granola into the arms of Manito, and then you look at the intended effect that Manito wanted to have on Granola, he failed, but the intended effect yeah. that he wanted to have on Granola is he wanted to make him the type of person that he would be proud of, who would never use the Dragon Ball selfishly, who would, yeah, and, yeah. and as a result, if, if Granola became the type of person that Manito wanted him to be, Granola never would have suffered any of the consequences of any oh, of his yeah, actions. Yeah. And that is the purpose of the parallel between Manito and Grandpa Gohan. Essentially, when, when Bardock makes that wish, what he's actually doing is he is delivering Goku into the arms of an individual who would prepare him to, to succeed in a world where the Dragon Balls exist. So, yeah. and, and that was already a, a pre-established plot point in Dragon Ball, is that the reason Goku is so successful is because of the influence of Grandpa Gohan as a character. They've actually hinted at that multiple times throughout the series. One of the biggest instances of that is whenever Goku survives the Devil Man's beam, and Gohan is standing there watching him survive it, because Gohan is the reason that he survived it. Because Gohan is the reason that he has that kind-hearted um, nature. And then whenever Goku yeah. meets Kami after he defeats King Piccolo, Kami essentially tells him, he's like, if it wasn't for the existence of a mortal like you, I was going to allow the Dragon Balls to become non-existent mm. and allow the mortals to essentially suffer their own fate because they have been nothing but a disappointment to me. Because every time they get their hands on the Dragon Balls, they just use them for selfish for things. Selfish. And yeah. so, I, my mm -hmm. intentions... Which most time, people would in the real world. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, Kami essentially explains <laughs> that if it, was not, if it was not for who Goku was as a person, which, yeah. keep in mind, Goku is only that type of person because of the influence from his grandfather, Kami was going yep. to let the entire Earth be doomed when Goku was at a very very yeah. young age. So essentially, the idea yeah, yeah. is that Goku, that Bardock actually ended up making a wish that caused Goku to develop the same nature that allows him to succeed within the plot of Dragon Ball, mm. which is exactly what Gine did for Bardock, and that's ex and that's also oh, what Manito intended to do for Granola, and that's also what Gohan ended up doing for Piccolo. So there's a like it non it approaches that narrative wishes. It, it approaches that narrative from like 50 different angles. Like if you actually go back and you look at the story and you look at like all the context of everything that's happened previously in the story, like yeah. the the granola arc, the the reason I think it's such a, a an amazing work of fiction is because every single character is catered in a way to portray the same narrative but from different angles. So, like, for example, Elec is an example of the type of mortal that Kami would look down on due to the yep. fact that he does not use his own powers and his own abilities to take care of his own problems. Gas yeah. is the type of person that Kami would look down on 
because he's an inherently selfish person who wants to be the superior life form in the universe while also having a great lust for revenge. And those yeah. are character traits that Kami and the, the Namekians look down on amongst Dragon Ball users. And essentially yep. the entire narrative of the arc, even with Frieza, when Frieza shows up, he's they essentially don't want to give become, him the Dragon Balls. Yeah, he well, not just that. When Frieza shows up, if you look at the way Frieza handled Goku and Namek, and if you look if you look at Frieza's dialogue, Frieza yeah. actually repeats the same dialogue to Goku that Goku repeated to him on Namek, which is I have managed to surpass you. So essentially yeah. yep, that yep, was yep. his way of coming back years and years and years <laughs> later and getting yeah. his revenge on Goku for breaking his ego. And what's really interesting about that, like I was explaining earlier, Namek is set up in a way to have a very similar narrative. It's all about who's yeah. worthy of using the Dragon Balls and why. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But Goku ends up being the ultimate example of that when he becomes a Super Saiyan on Namek and he faces Frieza. He's essentially the warrior that the Namekians have been looking for to take care of the issue. And he is a yep. warrior who became that as a result of the Dragon Balls and as a result of his influence on Earth, which Kami already established that he is the type of warrior that the Namekians look for to take care of their issues in the original yeah, Dragon yeah. Ball. So when he shows up on Man, Namek and he that. becomes a Super Saiyan, he's it's, it's like he was destined for it. Because yeah. even when he was on Earth, Kami established, you're exactly what I am looking for on an instinctual level, which means yep. that Goku was the same thing when he showed up on Namek. He was the hero... He was the he had all of the character traits that the Namekians were looking for in terms of somebody who would successfully save their planet and somebody who they trusted in using the Dragon Balls. When yeah. Frieza shows up on the Granola in the Granola arc, that's essentially his character coming full circle, coming full circle, and be and developing the same character traits that made Goku successful as a Super Saiyan on Namek. He has essentially become who Goku was as a Super Saiyan, on Namek, as Black Frieza. And, and so, like, the entire arc, and, and Granola survives as a result of, like, uh, ditching his need for revenge. Uh, yep. Vegeta ultimately suffers because that's still his intentions. So, like, every yeah. single character, if you look at every single character's intention, and you look at how ev every single character feeds into this one idea, that this one narrative that the story is trying to portray you'll see that every single character's actions is catered and and done in a way to specifically portray a specific narrative in the story and it's done in such a masterful way that like the the idea that a lot of fans can't read this arc and come out with that conclusion is wild to me because every single character encourages the same idea every single character either suffers because they're selfish or yeah. or um succeeds because they're not so that, the the narrative is very clearly there you know what i mean and, and, and yeah that's, that's always I, I felt like been a message toriyama's also not just for dragon ball but something to use in the real world too don't well that's selfish. what i was getting ready to I was, say that's actually what i was getting <laughs> i got i got there before you <laughs> yeah um so the purpose this, now i've actually i've done videos about this on my channel you can check uh, you can check them out if you want but essentially, like description, real up. life, and there too. <laughs> yeah, the real life inspiration for the Dragon Balls 
is what's known yeah. as a dragon jewel or a Shintamani stone. And the idea behind a dragon jewel or a Shintamani stone is they can only be used by Buddhist monks because otherwise someone will use it for selfish intentions which will cause the entire planet to be doomed as a result. So these artifacts actually exist in real uh, Mahayan Buddhist lore. Um, the, the objects that the Dragon Balls are based on are based on real objects that yep. them, they themselves also have the prerequisite of needing to be a selfless individual in order for them for you to use them. You have to have a Buddha nature, is what it's called, in order to correctly yeah. use the Dragon Jewels. And so... Gohan, there's a lot of symbolism in Dragon Ball that's that's majorly overlooked. But essentially, yeah. Gohan's role in Dragon Ball is to essentially gift Goku with the nature that he would need to succeed within the entire plot of the series itself, and that is his yeah. Buddha nature. So essentially, Goku himself, who is based on a character who is a Buddha, um, he yep. he he is a Buddha by nature as a result of is influenced by Grandpa Gohan. And that is the reason that he is continuously successful throughout the series because he has the nature that the series itself requires in order for you to be a successful individual in the story. So that's really what... Every single arc really likes to hammer that point home in one way or another. But this arc, the reason I think it's, it's enjoyable, specifically from my point of view is because it acknowledges that from every single angle, from every single character that exists in the story. And I think in order for you to successfully pull that off is not only challenging, but also, like, extremely... Like, you have to have such a uh, profound understanding of these concepts in order to correctly portray that message. So I think it's just very well done in that sense. Yeah, it, it was, and yeah, like the whole concept of the, the Dragon Balls, having selfish intents for the wishes has always, yeah, brought pretty much bad things to the people who, who've, who's done it, which is a message I've always gotten. Well, who's the used them incorrectly. And, who's used them incorrectly. Yeah. I mean, look what they did in GT. They're like, let's make a, a like a, like an arc out of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's always been like a little hidden message. But it's always been a main thing in Dragon Ball. But to me, it's always been like a message for real life too. Me just like just how I live life. Don't yeah be yeah. A well, I think a lot of people just people look at the eat. series <laughs> and they're like, the point of the series is to defeat the bad guy. And that's not the <laughs> Yeah, which it's not. It's one of the fun things about it, but that's yeah. not all there is to it. Like right. we were saying in, in, in a previous episode that just manga and anime have, have such a deep meaning to it. There's so much more to it compared to a sometimes comic books. That yeah. it, you know what well, episode I'm yeah, talking I know exactly about. What you're saying. Co- comics can have complex topics and complex Yeah, yeah, yeah. And complex, uh, you know, uh, things like the time stream theory, uh, multiverses, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. All of that stuff is very complex. But in terms of the underlying narrative of Dragon Ball, it is actually very yeah. complex in comparison to what people think it actually is. Now, don't get me wrong. You can yep. enjoy it on a surface level and look at it as a simple product. But when you actually yeah. take into account the source material and you actually take into account what 
you know, the overall narrative of the source material is, and then you apply that to Dragon Ball, it can completely change your perception on why they do the things they do, what the overall yeah. message is. Uh, you know, it's... it's and, and Dragon Ball particularly has a lot of different source material, too. It's not just Journey to the West. Like, oh, yeah. you know, um, Star Wars was used in the Granola arc. Uh, Bruce Lee's personal martial arts philosophy was yep. was used in the Granola arc, which I've talked about to great length. But, like, you know, um, Ultra Ego, for example, is a literal a literal embodiment of a Bruce Lee quote. Um, not only does it have a lot of um, you know, deep lore in terms of its connection to Buddhism and Journey to the West, but um, Bruce Lee himself actually said in a quote that he realized he would have to become his own fuel to succeed in life. And, you know, like, and that is a, a what he's referencing there is, is his ability to use what happens to him in combat uh, as fuel to better himself. So that's yeah. essentially what he's referencing there, and that's that's exactly what happens with Ultra Ego Vegeta. So, like, you know, yeah. there's a lot of really cool stuff like that about this arc. Um, Should we talk about that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I would, we yeah, we can talk about that. that. So, so um, <laughs> I read a What'd you think of it? I read a book known as The Tao of Gung Fu by Bruce Lee a long time ago. It's actually been a huge inspiration on me. Uh, yeah, life. I heard of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's essentially it, Bruce Lee explaining how Taoism uh, affected his martial arts style. And Taoism is essentially the source material for Journey to the West. So what Toriyama is doing here is he is taking the fact that Taoism influenced Journey to the West and Bruce Lee, and he's playing on both of those things at the exact same time. Okay. Which is, again, <laughs> extremely masterfully well done, uh, extremely underrated. One of the many yeah. reasons why I think this arc is underrated. But essentially the idea is, in Buddhism... Damn, people and really Taoism, hated it, huh? Is um, <laughs> yeah. to tame the monkey mind. Buddha has talked about this uh, in great length, but the idea is that inside we all have an ego. And the ego yeah. is like a drunken monkey... Who is demanding that we de- we do things all the time? Okay, that's what your ego is. He's like a drunken that's like monkey your drunk sitting version. in your head, who is like, "Hey, you need to do this." He's like demanding that you do things. That's what yeah, your yeah, ego yeah. Is. Okay. Do it now. Right, right, right. So, do it. So what Buddhism teaches is that that actually can be your best friend. The monkey mind can be your best friend if you can implement it correctly and implement it for what it's actually supposed to be used for, which is your which is your survival and your own well-being. But if you take it too far, you'll end up becoming a capitalist monster who's just trying to like take advantage of everybody around you and yeah. you know, you'll you can push your ego too far if you're not yeah, aware yeah, of yeah. what it is and how it works. And that's essentially like in Buddhism, the ego is what makes us evil. Uh, what Buddhists believe is they believe our, our, our biological need to survive as a species is actually the root of the evil within us. 
it's not like money like in Christianity. It's actually our biological need to survive that causes us to do selfish things. So, yeah. So um, that's what they believe. And Taoists specifically don't necessarily look at it as a bad thing. They want you to take your monkey mind and make it your best what, what friend. is that? Taoism? Yeah, Taoism is a specific form of Eastern philosophy that... Uh, it's a it's like Buddhism, but it's a little bit older, okay. and it's it, the yin right. and the yang. Uh, I'm sure you've okay, seen okay. yin and yang a lot. Mm-hmm. That's Taoism. Uh, it's it's essentially uh, the idea uh-huh. that uh, you know there's a cycle to everything. Uh, we should embrace our nature. We should embrace nature yeah. itself. We should allow things to unfold and not be. Essentially, the idea is that nature is so powerful that to try and and manipulate it, you will always yeah. fail. So the idea oh, yeah. is that <laughs> the idea Makes is sense. that you shouldn't develop a false sense of morality based on your opinions of what's right and wrong. You should just yeah. follow your nature as an individual. And what makes Taoism and Buddhism complement each other is the idea that your Buddha nature is what allows you to um, it allows you to to succeed as a Taoist because Taoists didn't realize it at the time, but the good inside of us that they were referencing when they were talking about you know our, the part of our nature that we should follow to be successful as an individual yeah. is what Buddha would later declare as our Buddha nature. So it's essentially our inner good, um, our inner selfless okay. nature. That's essentially what your Buddha nature is, and mm-hmm. so when Goku gets thrown into the heat of battle when his heart starts pumping he essentially becomes more selfish whether he realizes it or not because he's thrown yeah. into a state of fight or flight and he's he's thrown into a state of where he like he needs to survive so yep. when goku's heart is not going wild he's got his boot on nature intact he's actually not malicious in any way he's very innocent but when his heart starts yeah, beating yeah. Speci- and when he's a super saiyan specifically he has malicious intentions as a result of being in a, in a suspended state of rage, and so like yep. he's he's no longer he he had malicious intent seeps into his being because he, yeah, when he's yeah. a super saiyan he's going to prioritize his survival more than you and they're more cocky, right, right, right. So <laughs> yeah. So the idea Their ego is, boosts. So the idea is, uh, and Bruce Lee's personal martial arts philosophy is that. The Chinese have it all wrong. That 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 was his uh, that was his stance. He was very yeah. heavily influenced by Taoism and Buddhism, but he also believed that Buddhists and Taoist martial art martial artists had it all wrong because he yeah, believed yeah. that their idea in terms of no mindedness, in terms of like meditating and implementing, uh, um, you know, moves into your muscle memory to the point that when you fight essentially like the chinese philosophy on martial arts if you if you want me to simplify it into like it's the most simple way for me to describe it think of silver-haired ultra instinct so when mm-hmm. goku is in silver-haired ultra instinct his mind and his heart are completely calm and as a result yeah. of that he is incapable of having malicious intentions and he's incapable of fighting in a way to where his like he's essentially Prioritizing his survival his instinct kicks in. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So he's incapable of that because his heart and his mind yeah. are completely calm. 
and as a result, he will never fight in a in a lethal manner. He will always fight yeah. in a reserved, uh, pacifist-like uh, way. Whereas, what happens here in the Granola arc is Goku is not only becoming the embodiment of Bruce Lee's personal martial arts, personal martial arts mm. philosophy. He's also becoming the embodiment of Sun Wukong's personal enlightenment and journey to the West. And I'll explain what that means. But essentially, Sun Wukong and Guadama Buddha are two very different people. Okay, Buddha yeah. is a extremely... He is a very, very compassionate person who feels sympathy for even the most evil of individuals. Whereas Sun Wukong, if he feels that you're not redeemable, he will destroy you even after he became a Buddha. So like despite Beerus. the fact that they're <laughs> despite the fact that they're both Buddha, they're both yeah. very different people. Different, yeah. What yeah. makes them a Buddha is the fact that they have completely pure intentions. So what so what ah. makes Sun Wukong different is that he can kill you with pure intentions, with what the universe considers good intentions, due to the fact that he can implement his monkey mind in survival situations, fight or flight situations, and prevent himself from developing selfish intentions in that mm -hmm. way. So what he's doing is is he is he's using his monkey mind for what it's supposed to be used for and not yeah. to essentially dominate. Not letting it go too f Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, so mm -hmm. that's what makes Sun Wukong yeah. the victorious fighting Buddha at the end of Journey to the West is the fact that he achieves the ability to do this. When he yeah. achieves the ability to implement his monkey mind in a way that that allows him to maintain his pure intentions as a Buddhist, that's what yep. makes him the victorious fighting Buddha. Now, when Bruce Lee taught about his personal martial, personal martial arts philosophy, he criticized the Chinese... Which essentially, like I said, the silver-haired ultra instinct is essentially the Chinese philosophy of martial arts because yeah. of the fact that they were incapable of having lethal intent. They were incapable yeah, of yeah. actually performing in a way to actually save their lives in life-or-death life, life or death situations because they were so calm and collected and reserved. And that was his criticism of Chinese martial arts. So his personal philosophy was you don't have to... Uh, practice all of these moves and like try to become like tranquil, like have your mind completely yeah, like hold it back. Thoughts. <laughs> yeah, he, like yeah. his whole idea was instead of trying to quiet the ego and make it non-existent mm -hmm. and essentially just allow your body to function on nothing but uh, instinct without ego, he looked yeah. at the ego mm -hmm. as a source of doing the exact same thing but with lethal intentions so it, essentially what happens it, it what, makes what sense Bruce the more you try to, to suppress the ego the more powerful the ego would likely get it, it makes it, that makes sense to me right 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 yeah, so yeah. his philosophy was if you want to use wushin or no mindedness which is what ultra instinct is based on yep. uh rather than doing it in the classical chinese sense where you just do a lot of kata and you just program the moves into your muscle memory so whenever you clear your mind, you just automatically fight. His yeah. idea was engulf yourself into a life-or-death situation and your body will start moving on its own. That was his idea. Yeah. So essentially the idea is to allow your ego 
to do what it wants while also maintaining control in your mind and not fighting with malicious intentions. So essentially what's happening is is your body is performing as though you were in a life and death situation and you're performing at maximum capacity but you're not you don't have in the intent of killing your opponent but you are performing in in a sen- in the in a sense to where you can fight as though you had lethal intention uh, towards your opponent in in the most a maximum efficient way possible and in that sense you are taking the ego or the monkey mind and you are allowing it to become your best friend in combat you are essentially allowing it to do the work for you so you don't have yeah. to um, so you don't have to and that's what Goku does in the granola arc verbatim that is exactly what he does so when Goku goes to use his specific version of Ultra Instinct, if you'll notice, he actually does this pose where he puts his hands together and he takes a deep breath. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what that is, is that is how Buddhists calm their mind. Okay? Um, it's, it's how they keep their mind calm. Uh, they actually reference yeah. this in the original Dragon Ball whenever Krillin gets his head bitten by a vampire. He's got blood like squirting out of the side of his head, and and Yamcha tells him he's like, "Listen, steal your heart, like, you know, yeah, calm yeah. down." So so Krillin takes on this same uh, pose as Goku does in this arc, and his blood starts to slow down and his mind starts to calm. But what Goku is doing here is he's allowing his heart when his heart is like going crazy like that. Anytime yeah. somebody goes to attack him, his body is responding as though he were in a life-and-death situation, but his mind is calm, so he's still in the driver's seat, and he's still Goku. And that's why it's considered true ultra instinct. It's like, it's it's true for the angels, but it's like, it's it's more true for Goku, in a sense, because of the fact that uh, he's actually using that uh, other aspects of his nature in order to fight while while maintaining, you know, that ultra instinct mindset and such. Yeah, which so is what he needed to do. Goku is fighting like an ape. If you like, you'll actually notice when Goku is fighting in that arc using true Ultra Instinct and true, like you said, is of course in reference to Goku himself. Some people they still don't get confused. <laughs> they yeah, still get confused by that. Dang Goku. Twitter people, man. <laughs> but Goku, what he's doing there is he's allowing his monkey mind to fight for him, and you actually see this even in the art itself. Because at one point, Goku actually screams like an ape into Gas's face and starts fighting like a wild animal. So you can actually see (laughs) that he is implementing his inner monkey mind through the art and through the combat itself. So the message is very clear if you understand the lore and the, you know, and everything that's behind the arc in terms of like its thought process. Like, even the art itself makes it very clear what the intentions of of the arc itself is, and yeah, and the fact that Toriyama managed to pull off implementing Bruce Lee and the Monkey King yep. into Goku at the exact same time through that scene when Goku himself is, is based on Sun Wukong and the Monkey King or Sun Wukong and Bruce yeah. Lee was genius work. Like, a lot of people don't realize... Yeah, this, yeah, like, it's, it's mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. <laughs> it is. Like, so, like, I didn't even think of that whole Bruce Lee thing. Yeah, like, in Journey <laughs> to the West, um, after Sun Wukong was sealed under Five Phases Mountain, it was he had a, it had a very similar effect to him on him as Grandpa yeah. Gohan had on Goku, to where 
his nature had changed. So like he yeah, yeah. he was more he was more of a good person after that. But when he got thrown into battle, that inner cocky demon that he used to be would come out. So and that's yeah. and that's why that's exactly what Toriyama does with Goku. It's the exact same thing. So but in the original Dragon Ball, Toriyama played on this in a very very creative way that a lot of people don't they don't understand that he did this, but like when Goku is himself, when he when his heart isn't ingrained into battle, you'll notice yep. that he acts like Jackie Chan. But when his heart is thumping and he's thrown himself into the battle, he acts like Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. So Toriyama took Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee and used them as the basis for Goku's personality to whenever he's... Essentially, he's in Jackie Chan mode or Bruce Lee mode in the same way that... Yeah, yeah. ...that Sun Wukong was in demon mode or Buddha mode. Like, that was Toriyama's You're talking about Dragon like Ball. The, yeah, it was like his way well, of... Well, I mean, that's, a, that's relevant... That, like, I was about to yeah, say that's yeah, relevant to like yeah. like all of Goku's character from that point. So it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. that's like but, but he makes he, it much more obvious. He makes it much more obvious in the original Dragon Ball due to the fact that Goku is much more gag oriented. Yeah, yeah. When he's <laughs> yep. when he's like like you know what I mean? Like he does a lot of stunts and stuff. Like yeah, yeah. You can see it more in the original Dragon Ball. It does apply to the entire series. Toriyama even said himself when he made Goku turn Super Saiyan that he wanted to draw his eyes to look like more like Bruce Lee because he essentially was yep. becoming Bruce Lee when he became a Super Saiyan. <laughs> so like yes, it does it does it stre- stretches throughout the entire series, but you can really see it in the original Dragon Ball for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's like it's interesting because now that you mentioned like the actual aspects of the of Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee being different parts, it's like you can see that okay, well, Jackie Chan is more so like that that calm, like happy nature of stuff, like you know with Goku, like yeah, yeah that like that ultra instinct of. side, yeah, like that ultra instinct, yeah, but like more so like that 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 side of Goku where it's just like like the ultra instinct and then the heart not being calm, that ego, you can say that that's much more Bruce Lee of him, you know, in yeah, like, you know, yeah. that coming out. It's like, that's so cool. Okay, so Even that's like... Bruce Lee moves. Yeah. That's like, that's like a reference within a reference combining it with another reference of the, the characters. Like, my gosh, it's like, I think it's just, it's yeah. like Toriyama just has so much like knowledge is that he just, he, he makes references to stuff at some points without even realizing. That's a, that's a total mind blow <laughs> right there. Like, I, he, <laughs> he has mastered the art of referencing a thousand things at once and I, I think i said that in our previous video yeah you, you I have try you to have do yeah that as well like that, that's kind of my thing like here's the thing like when it comes to art it's so easy to do that and i think yeah. he realized that because he was like oh i can just add a little thing here a little thing there a little bit like it's almost like a bunch of building blocks or a bunch of puzzle pieces that you can put together to create something that's like mind blowing. Like the way that he yeah. implements his knowledge in terms of how to put those things together is supremely intelligent and very well done. Like, like I said, I'm I fanboy over the guy for a reason. Like the way that he the the, the way that he imp, the way he handles his storytelling to me is like unmatched. Just just based on just based on his ability to reference a thousand things at once, because when you're reading yeah. when you're reading something, when you're reading manga specifically, there's only yep. so much stimulation that that can cause in your mind. 
there's only so much stimulation that a picture and and letters can cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He takes that and and maximizes it to the utmost degree <laughs> through references yeah. via dialogue and art. So like he's he's mastered the art of that. Like yeah, he he's really been knows doing it for doing. a while and too. I do I don't think he completely <laughs> did it consciously. I do think he partially did it because he is such a fanboy of all of these different sources of media that he oh, just most, wanted to most reference likely, it so yeah. bad that he was just like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make all these references regardless. But I think he has yeah. caught on to the fact that that <laughs> is actually a majority of the reason that Dragon Ball is so successful. One of his because trademarks. now you can see that he is putting more effort into implementing that technique into Dragon yeah. Ball. Yeah. Plus he has the other guy that he works with too. So honestly, that probably Arale, helps him out a lot more. Honestly, he started doing that first with a Raleigh, and I think as he progressed in Dragon Ball, he really got it down. Like he, re- like I think he 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 had the ability to do it in in a Raleigh, but yeah. like as he was going into trying to make Dragon Ball successful, that's when he actually started to implement it as a as a formula rather than just something that he was casually doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he started the manga... The anime started in 89, right? Dragon Ball? I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. The manga... Yeah, manga's been around for a while. uh... Yeah, but his been around for super long like, that 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 is yeah. it's like it is because originally he was like okay let me just take something off of this exact thing because it because it was all it makes perfect sense because like the fact that dragon ball is already like a huge reference to journey to the west like multiple like it was based off of that and based off of yeah. like you know, it, it originally meant to be like a parody him going his own way it's like everything is like a reference like piccolo for example like what we talked to like me and jordan had, like talked about i don't know if it was on this podcast but like uh specifically with how uh, Piccolo is a is, is kind of like his own original character, but also taking aspects of the Monkey King in in in, in and of itself, and like you know like a twist on it, which is the reason why it's Toriyama's favorite. But like he, it's like the more that he references That's stuff. His favorite character. Yeah, Piccolo, yeah, is, Piccolo his is his favorite character. All time favorite character. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of my like, faves too. <laughs> you reference stuff so much, you end up making like your own original like thing off of such references, and then at and then but now it's like. It, it was like Toriyama was trying to be like intuitive when, when with like the source material and such, but then at a certain point, it's like now he's just taking things that 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 the concepts and stuff that work, referencing them and like maxifying them. Now some people and, and it's just like the yeah. granola arc definitely like takes you know a lot of those references as well, like it, you know to like to a huge amount of degree that it's just like it's completely oversighted. I just think that. I think a lot of people would think because of the fact that it's not necessarily like you know the references and stuff that's like that, that's at play. It's more so like the character, like the character right, the character writing for like how they bring about the hype is the main is the main thing. I I know I'm circling yeah, back yeah. a little bit, but yeah, no, 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 no. no. Yeah. Like I totally, I do totally understand from the, from the fans' perspective why gas would be a letdown in that way. Like I do understand that, but again, I think it really comes down to understanding why they make the decisions they make as the author yeah and that's that's fine i I like that as a matter of fact like i think that one one tool in specific in specific that i've realized has that um 
like is is important when it comes to accumulating hype is like in WWE for example whenever they're cutting promos whenever like people are like you know showing are doing different things it makes it to where like you know the next fights and such like people have anticipation like that's one like wrestling and stuff like yeah like take, is, it, yeah they take that hype and they build up they do all this stuff to make every every single next you know event and such more you know more exciting and things like that and where there is like you know build up yeah. and such that's that's included in here that's like it's it's the one thing that i feel like the arc is overall lacking just a little bit in that department but otherwise like the references and like the the, the amount of like lore and it's so much of it is just like it's so rich and i just it, the granola arc is very much underappreciated by a lot of people you just got to understand the point yeah. that they're coming I from. Think, Seems I like think it. it actually is kind of structured in a way to where everybody can cut a promo uh, in comparison to a lot of the arcs. I just don't. I actually don't see that as much of the issue as just the the time. Like, well, you know, you just got to be interested in the characters as much. Like the thing is, why was it that right, when Frieza came? Time, they don't have the time to like. For example, like Frieza. Prior to them facing Frieza, how many characters did they fight? <laughs> like uh, Raditz, two. Nampa, no, no, Vegeta. Oh, no, no, no. He meant no, 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 you no, mean no. in the arc or just really... in general? When Frieza was introduced on Namek, from the time that Frieza oh, was okay, introduced okay. on Namek. Yeah, on Namek. Yeah. So who did they? How many villains did they fight before Frieza? Uh, you want me to count? Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> Are you Dragon Ball two? Are you talking Dragon Ball two? No, no, no. Okay. Okay. I'm talking about just on I, Namek. Never mind. Just okay, on Namek, from the time they oh, see just Frieza, on okay, Namek. The Ginyu, oh, oh, okay. The Ginyu Force. Uh, That's five. That, that is, <laughs> That's, well, that is five. Uh, um, is that, no, the first guy. Dodoria Zarbon. We're talking who? Vegeta. Are we even talking yeah. Yeah. Vegeta Zarbon. there? Dodoria the guy Vegeta got in the beginning, forgot his name. Frieza Pretty much, was legitimately, uh, he was legitimately the eight. final <laughs> boss. He was the oh, final yeah, boss. Yeah. It was like a video game And they thing. built him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas Gas... He's like, he's the, he's the... Like a side character underdog. final boss. He's the underdog. <laughs> he's not even... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, like, as a villain, as a villain, he is not the emperor of the universe. Uh, he is the yeah, underdog no. who's coming in to try and, like, make up for, like, his failures in the past. So, like... It, like yeah. It's apples to oranges. Like, the thing is, is, like, like, if... Gas, if they had the intentions of making Gas a character that people cared about in the sense of actually care about him in terms of his personality and who he is as a character, I like yeah. I would actually understand more the criticisms for Gas's character, but that was never the intentions for his character. Now, I do understand to a degree. Yeah, like, I didn't like look I said, at him as like the final boss. Up, but like the intentions of his character from the very beginning were for you not to like him. You can feel sorry yeah. for him. You you and and you can't it's easy to feel sorry for him because he is a victim. Well you but can obviously not him. relate to a character and not like him. Like for example Frieza, obviously he's basically space Hitler. It's not like people like it's like there's a there's a way that you write a well, character in a I sense mean. where you like Frieza, to hate on him. Frieza is a character that you can think is cool. Like and not not that yeah. you can't do that with gas, but it's just like gas has he from the very from the very beginning of the introduction of his character, he is on the defensive. He, there is no, t like, yep. even whenever he, even whenever he has his uh, potential unlocked and he becomes his most powerful state, he is still a jabroni. He is still the type of wrestler <laughs> that you would see in, in wrestling and be like, ah, 
Like, you know, like he's he's, he's not, not be, in the main title he's match. He's not going to be the WWE <laughs> champion for sure. Look at him. You know what I mean? It's like that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, he was more like the like the secondary boss or not even. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know is, exactly what Darth, you mean. Yeah. He was never meant to be the actual villain, and I think that that's yeah. the reason that he's kind of disappointing in the end of the story because people people Dragon Ball fans particularly love those type of villains. That's the reason that Moro was so popular because he was that type of yeah, villain. He yeah. was scary. He was dominant. He was very intelligent. Uh, he never yep. seemed to waver on his, uh, you know, on he he was never insecure. Yeah, he was he was until the very end. <laughs> he was insecure at the very end, but like, yeah, Gas is mm-hmm. insecure the entire arc. Yeah, he is. The yeah, entire he, arc. So like, he's like a he very wouldn't even use his power. Yeah, like you, you can't look at him like other stereotypical Dragon Ball villains because he's not like other. Yeah, stereotypical yeah. Dragon I just Ball think that well, all. the thing, the thing is, it's and this is like a movie villain. I see, I, I see the point that you're saying, and I, and I, and I see what like they were trying to do. I just feel like if they're going to have like the arc, you know, specifically centered around Gas, they should at least make you know specific ways for people to actually like it. Even I understand that's not the point, but like when it comes to like they you, you writing the characters. Like a- and like writing out like out you know characters in a specific way like like they can just they need to make the it, in order to make the characters more likable or or, or they make the character even though honestly that- I think Gas just gets a bad rap because like I just think a lot of it is just a bad rap like I do think now I do think there are some issues with his portrayal but in terms of like this arc in particular uh, when you were talking about wrestling. I couldn't help but remember all of the instances where they're literally cutting promos in this arc. Like, for example, Gas is like, he's like, I can't wait to get my revenge from where Bardock beat me all those years ago. He's literally floating above the planet, looking down oh, at the planet. Oh, God, like, he's right. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then you got Vegeta coming in. Oh, God. my tough love. You know what I mean? And then you got Granola coming in like, like, I, I was a clone the entire time. You know what I mean? And then you got like... Dragon Ball's just wrestling <laughs> in disguise. Yeah, and then you got like Goku being like, hey man, you're pretty tough. Like, I know I just beat your ass, but like maybe we can fight again sometime. You know what I mean? Like, he's like Broly. that type of character. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So like, they do kind of cut promos on each other constantly throughout that. Well, that's a... Well, the, no, they, they basically do yeah. that throughout all of Dragon Ball. But it wasn't really does. like my main... My but main anime does that in that general. arc in particular... <laughs> In that arc in particular, it just seemed like it was one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. <laughs> well, let me because let me ask Frieza you this, because this is what I'm trying to. This is what I was initially trying to say. Yeah, look, when, when Frieza shows up in particular, <laughs> it's like the entire arc has like a con- complete tonal shift. You want to know why? It's because his character and such was already like you know pretty much built upon, and you know that his amb- you know what his ambitions are, you- and you're left in anticipating with them. With Gas, he's not you really that like, driving force of a character. He's just he's a reactive, yeah. defensive character reacting to what Alec is telling him to do. You just don't have that same yeah. tonal yeah. like you know emulation that you know that he would have like what, yeah, what Frieza yeah. would. That makes it that makes yeah, it. You know, let's just be honest. Let's just mm-hmm. be honest. They're junior characters that are only there to build up to Frieza. Yeah, and the Black Frieza yeah. saga. Like that's yeah, they're that's, there for that's, Frieza. That's really. <laughs> <what it is>. like, <laughs> 
that that's what yeah they were sacrificial lambs pretty much yeah they were I, yeah you're right yeah because yeah gas was never going to be that top dog he always had yeah, they were there to add controlling to his character development and like basically yeah. like portray the message like they are literally just there to hype frieza up at the end like it really <laughs> does feel that way not that i didn't enjoy them as characters but like between, like, the narrative regarding the Dragon Balls and, like, Frieza destroying his past character traits and stuff like that, it's very obvious that it's like you said, they are sacrificial lambs to the overall plot of Dragon Ball itself. They are literally there to be used to as expendable characters to show you this isn't the type of character that's ever going to succeed in Dragon Ball. That's mm-hmm. essentially what those characters yeah. are. Yeah, you yeah. kind of got that from Alec too, because he just seemed like um, he wasn't on anybody's like like he didn't seem like he knew how to really fight. I don't think we ever seen him throw. Oh yeah, he couldn't fight. He knew how <laughs> to control his nature, which is something that he had over Gas. But no, he did not know how to fight. And yeah, he was yeah. The weakest of the yeah. bunch. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you you knew they probably wouldn't get too far. But I understand what you're saying, Star Blast. They could. Well, I think maybe gave a little bit more with gas, but you know, and it's just like I think that just because the arc is just so different. Because I remember people like when it came to like yeah, actually going on with the arc it, because of, the, of how long it was going. I remember the stress that people were having and just like, man, this arc is not continuing. It's not really picking up the same way. They're having the anticipations and stuff like that. How it is with like Z, but even like like how you say when it comes to like characters that are like sacrificial lambs. Had garnering that same interest and stuff, you, you're still kind of like, especially because of the weight in in reading it. You're, it's like you want to you want to get like you know to the real you know meat and potatoes and like you know with all of the stuff that we talked about with 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 <laughs> gas and stuff. It's just that that initial read was very like when when the mug when the chapters were coming out was kind of difficult. Now if you actually go back and read the art the full like you know the full way, you're not really having that same problem because like you know you're actually getting like you know yeah, the full yeah. picture and stuff like that. It was just something that was really mainly an issue as the manga was yeah. coming out on a monthly basis, which was really I think problematic for a lot of people's impressions of the arc, you know, especially with like you know like geekdom as well and, and a lot of you know other huge content creators. Right. You really it, it did if I if I was going to agree with anything any of the criticisms the the biggest thing i would agree with is the fact that granola and gas and elec and all of these characters who are characters who came out of nowhere and the arc is centered around those characters you see what i'm saying yeah so like yeah so the characters came out of nowhere and yet the arc is more centered around gas and granola than it is you know, Goku and Vegeta for a huge portion of the story. It's more Yeah, it felt more like side characters at points. When you were talking about how, like, you know, during the manga's run, there was a lot of issues amongst the fandom because of that. I actually remember that. And specifically, I remember that being the... The complaint for that being the biggest whenever Gas and Granola were fighting for, like, three chapters. Yeah. Right? Because yeah, they did fight because a while. gas and granola were now don't get me wrong people there were a lot more granola fans than there were gas fans that's for damn sure but like <laughs> but like you know <laughs> neither of them were really it's like it's like having I'm gonna make another wrestling comparison it's like having Triple H and Stone Cold. And, you know, there are these two characters that you built up forever that everybody loves and, like, they pop for every time you bring them out into the ring. And then you decide to yeah. bring out a couple of 
nobody like new AEW some faces, local you know I mean? jobbers like, yeah 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 it's it's a very like in that sense that I could see how that would be perceived as a mistake but at, now that the arc's over and uh you know of course there are still people who don't like the arc um I think really I think the the only people who won't who won't ever enjoy the arc are the people who are looking for the type of thing that you're describing, where it's like it's set up in a way to like pop you in terms of like combat, much you know a lot like wrestling yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like I personally thought that that was there, but in terms of like Gas and Granola <laughs> being characters that people care about that they can pop over whenever they're saying shit to each other and stuff like that. That was a big issue whenever the manga was running, and I do agree with that yeah. sentiment. You know, yeah, and it's just like, yeah. of course, I because Granola you could, was fine. It's like when it came to like the, I remember this being a a, a type of uh, a form of conversation between a like with AEWs, like they can do all of these like you know cool wrestling stunts and stuff, but if there's like no story that goes behind you know those stunts or like characters that they can get behind, it just it just yeah. feels like you know eye candy. And whatnot, like you know, was, was, same with movies, yeah, yeah. Right. And nobody so, cared about gas. I remember, bro. I I remember it very, very clearly. Everybody was like, "We man, don't care back about then, this nobody guy. gave a crap." Yeah, let this art be over. I, I we think, don't care. Hopefully, Alex's gonna do something because we don't like gas. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, I think I Granola overshadowed gas. Oh, for sure. Granola, yeah, they sure. kept saying Granola, Granola, the Granola arc, and that I'm like, who the hell's Granola? I didn't even hear, hear of gas. Or the yeah. heaters until I got read it. Yeah. So you don't even know about them either. So that's another thing. They didn't really build them up like how they were building yeah, up Granola. Yeah, they are treated as disposable characters, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Granola, I could see maybe coming back, but I yeah. don't think he <laughs> might, might. But he might. he might. You never know. He might. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at all the people Goku ran into when <laughs> he kept. When he kept teleporting and sent transmission through all these places he was to get oh, away that was or a cool lose uh, gas. That. Yeah, that's another that. thing. That's too. actually probably one of my favorite I scenes like- in that arc. I love the Back to the Future yeah, reference he, too. He like, got gas lost. <laughs> like he he he, 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 like he, he instant transmissions to like a planet, and then it's just like he, like gas just gets like overwhelmed by like, like dirt and from like a dump truck. It just dumps right all over <laughs> him. <laughs> That was, but yeah, that, that then, was that was something different too. And then the like, prisoners in the Galactic really Patrol, and then the prisoners in the Galactic yeah, Patrol, like, like, oh yeah, yeah, you're the kid who pissed himself. <laughs> it's like I did not piss myself. No, I did it. Oh, he well, got way, so mad. The way at that. Goku was acting in that s- small portion of the of the yep. arc, that's my preferred version of Goku. Like mm-hmm. I've said this before, like. Uh, my favorite version of Goku is Goku from uh, the Piccolo Jr. fight because he's a cocky, yeah. he's a cocky, smiling martial artist. Like that's what I like when yep. Goku is. I like when he's cocky like Bruce Lee, but he's also smiling like Jackie Chan. Like I like that perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that meld between the two characters. You know what I mean? So like that was my favorite yeah. version of Goku, and he really felt like that when he was fighting Gas, especially <laughs> whenever he was like cutting promos on him and like you know <laughs> you know he, he got him dirty and then instant tra- instant teleported him into a bathtub you know what I mean? and, then, and, then, and then he like and then he made and then fun of him left for pissing himself he's like wow you really did piss yourself, huh? you know like man he got I so that. mad at that 
<laughs> oh, that's yeah, that, that, scene, that scene was it, great. It, it's like that kid Goku savageness that he used yeah, to have, yeah. where he would just say stuff without any consideration <laughs> for like whether or not yeah, it's polite yeah. or not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it comes off whenever Goku fights. It doesn't actually come off like he's cutting a promo or trying to be a jerk. It just comes off like yeah. he has no manners, and he's just he doesn't understand <laughs> yeah, yeah, what yeah. he's going to say. He's about to piss the person off. Like he's, he's still that same kid. That we yeah. first saw when we first saw Dragon Ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, lo- yeah, I, I love when he's that. like that too. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. But uh, is there what what else? Is that about? Uh, I mean, we could I talk about the granola art for hours and hours. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, we'll be on here for like five more hours. Yeah, There's, I mean, I think we got pretty much the main stuff. Yeah, I, 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 pretty, cool. I just wanted to talk about how it's underrated, and I think I did let's, that. So. Let's talk about one other too, thing. And I want to... Oh, no, go ahead. Yes. No, no, okay, there's this... Okay, no, no. Let, let me. Let, let, I'll let you finish what you were originally going to say, and then and then I'll say what I was about to say. I'll ask the question. Who, me? Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Oh, okay. I, thought, <laughs> okay. I interrupted you. I thought you had more to say. Okay. No, you're good. Okay, so basically, the, my main question is... I guess this is a, like a, a theory for everyone. Who is the strongest in the universe that the Oracle Fish was referring to? What it, like who do you think that is? Is it Frieza? Is it eventually going to be Goku? Is it going to be Vegeta? Is it Beast Gohan? It, it, like how is like who do well, you in think? The, in the promotional hmm. material on the official website, they said that it was Frieza. That they that okay. It, they said that Frieza was the strongest in the universe. Whenever they were promoting the end of the granola arc, they actually outwardly said that Frieza was the strongest in the universe. But personally. I think that Weiss being like, oh, maybe the strongest is going to pop up soon. I think he's talking about Gohan. I think it's just, pro- I think oh, it's just promotional. It, yeah. I think it's just a way for them to promote, promote Dragon Ball Super Superhero, Superhero because it's coming after the Granola Arc. Nailed so they it. Can, mm-hmm. They can sneak Weiss saying that in to be like, oh shit, you know, like <laughs> Gohan's yeah. about to be ridiculously OP. Like, you know what I mean? That's just how I feel about. It. I know a I lot of people them... don't like that. They don't like the idea of Gohan being that powerful. But just deal with it. That's how I feel about it. Just I want to see <laughs> after superhero. <laughs> One more thing though. Uh, what I, another thing I found real interesting? They never did this either. How the heaters kind of like played Goku and Vegeta and Granola against themselves. Oh, so they both. Yeah. <laughs> that was something I really liked. I they never done anything like that. Another thing that was different, which people are probably like, hey, why they? People just want. Oh yeah, they were active. They were active manipulators different. and stuff. Like they basically got them to fight. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, oh, they that, moved the plot. That was in that. a pretty smart way. Yeah, that was a smart way how they wrote that in. Well, Frieza really sort that. of did that with Broly. That's so, true. That's even true, the thing yeah. is, even yeah, Maki, so, I remember specifically. But just Broly, Jordan, you pointed this out <laughs> in a video you also did with Geekdom. Is that Ma- Maki was was uh, playing a lot of like you know that the, uh, like had a lot of like facial expressions and th- that same like dramatic aspect of Frieza, which is like oh the poor planet, mm. this this mighty warrior and stuff yeah. like that. Like Maki the way reminds me, of, all of the characters remind me of Frieza in different ways. Uh, Elec is a is a master manipulator in the same way that Frieza is. So is Maki, but Maki like she's she uses her charm to do it, whereas Elec is just very he's very uh he's very collected in terms of like intelligence and stuff like that. And then Gas, like yeah, he yeah. reminds me a lot of Frieza in terms of his lust for revenge and his lust to be the most powerful being that exists. 
Like, he reminds yep. me a lot of Frieza in that way. All of the heaters, in one aspect or another, remind me of Frieza. Even, um, what's the big guy's name? The last one? I'm Oil. Totally I, don't, I totally... forgot, but I know. Oil. We know. Oil. He Oil, actually that's right. Yeah. reminded me of Frieza because he he's very observant. Like... Oh uh, yeah, that's he, right. He, he points was, yeah. like he he will point out things. He will point out the um, different times throughout the arc. He'll point out the uh, elephant in the room, and Frieza used to do yeah, the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Like he he would mm-hmm. like point out the yep. elephant in the room. He'd be like, you know, especially in the tournament of power. You know, he would he'd be like, you know, like I can't stand. Like he would he would be like, you know, I can't stand that I'm having to work for these people. You know, like. Yeah. He'd be like, I'm going to take the fact that I have to work with Universe 7 out on you, Khalifa. Like, that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah. And it's like, like really you know, it, it, like, it's, for it's, example, whenever... It's funny because these whenever, are characters, uh, like you said, that they represent, like, aspects of Frieza's personality. These Because of the fact that they <laughs> lived, they're the aspects of Frieza's personality that he is keeping. With the observance, like, because Frieza's being so observant, he knows everything going on in the universe. And obviously, he's still, you know, being like that... You know that manipulative person, like how Maki, Maki was being, in order to get the sh- get the ball rolling yeah. for them to fight one also, another. Also, like the yeah. idea that Maki and and Oil are going to be continuing characters is interesting too. That actually makes mm-hmm. me think that Granola might actually come back because he's uh, got to. You know, yeah, like uh, yeah, it's cool. Okay, it's that's why I character. thought it was uh, odd when people were trying to say that, like, you know, the the manga is not going to connect to any animated content. The simple fact that Maki and Oil were recruited into the Frieza Force is huge. That has huge implications in terms of, like, the future of Frieza. You know what I mean? So, if yeah. they're going to animate... Like, he's still doing stuff behind right, the if scenes. they're going to animate anything in the future with Black Frieza, Maki and Oil are going to be there, too. So, you know... Mm, it would yeah. be kind of weird if That's they didn't... right! I forgot he took them! It's right, <laughs> like, right, I need right. a new chef! And, uh, what was the other thing? I, he's like, I need a new, I need a new chef, I need a new chef and uh, something. It was funny because they took, he basically, yeah, they basically, it was funny because they, they, he basically gave them the roles of the Chilai and Lemo after they left, um, you know, for like and helped up. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I like that little Easter egg. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely more appropriate right. to work with Frieza than Chilai and Lemo for sure. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 and I hope uh, after a superhero, because are they gonna um, do it in the manga? Yeah, they're doing it in the manga because they right did now. the prequel. Yeah, I, okay, so they are doing that story. I really want to see what happens after that. Yeah, and and be, yeah, me based, too. I'm really well, they're building curious. up to the Black Frieza stuff. I don't know if you've read uh, mm. the superhero stuff yet or uh, the Trunks Goten mini arc that they did, but they. No, nah, not yet. They heavily, but go ahead. heavily hint at something big between Vegeta and Black Frieza coming. Oh shit! Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah there's a lot to be excited for in terms too. of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because the tease was the granola arc at the end, obviously. Because well, oh, yeah, we the, didn't say the, how Frieza went in there and pretty much. At the very beginning of the Trunks Goten stuff, uh, right after yeah. where you left off. There's a scene where yep. Vegeta is looking off into the sky and he sees a giant vision of uh, of Frieza. So they're hinting oh, at shit. Vegeta and Frieza having yeah. something going on in the future. Yeah. 
overall, like, I think what we can definitely say is that this arc is definitely going to be important for all of the stuff that's going to end up happening later on in the future. I mean, it sets up Granola, like, like, you know, who who, who he is, like, it sets up Black Frieza. It does a lot that, and it also, like, goes in more of the Namekian lore, which we didn't really touch on in this this video. And, you know, for everything, for everything that this arc actually does, it's it's expanding. I feel like it's going to be it's going to end up being a lot more important what this arc does for the future of the manga, for the future of Dragon Ball, and how they proceed the story. Yeah, you know, going, going forward. I'm... Of, I agree. It's going to be mm-hmm. one of the most important Same. arcs in Dragon Ball Super because it establishes so much. It, like, not only do they go out of their way to establish stuff that they were trying to tell you in the past, it also sets up so much for the future. So it's it's a very underrated arc yeah. in that aspect. Like, you know. Despite the fact that Gas and Elec were throwaway characters, and you know, like it's still a very important arc in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All and, right. Uh, when Goku finally mastered it, was it? Did his hair stay black now? So, so up? the idea is that okay. <laughs> so when Goku's in the silver-haired form, his heart and his mind are both calm. But when he's in the black-haired okay, form, okay, okay. When he's in the black-haired form, his mind is calm, but his heart is not. So that's the reason. Yeah, he's that's in the, black the new form. one he got. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All so right. So it's moving right. towards him being able to use it in his base form. That's essentially what they're trying yeah. to do. They're trying to accomplish Goku being able to use Ultra Instinct all the time in his base form, and uh, which may end up being. What he did against Oob, he most he could have been using that that completed version of Ultra Instinct in his base form against the fight with Oob, possibly later on, if that ends up being mm. how they write the story. Right, right, right. But essentially, the idea is that Goku is working backwards now. He's working like yeah, instead yeah, of yeah. trying to because the Silver Ultra Instinct is the final form, like it is the most powerful form that he'll ever have. But like, yep. Now he's got to work backwards into being able to use Ultra Instinct all the time in his base form. And he's never going to do that. He's never going to do that by trying to be like the angels all the time, which is sort of the point of the arc is that, like, he has to accept who he is and implement that into his Ultra Instinct in order to be able to use it all the time. If he ends up going backwards, and if this actually works in that specific manner, now thinking about it, because if he's going, like, it's almost like. Because whenever he used all of the transformations against Granola, he went through like Super Saiyan, Ultra Inst- combined with Ultra Instinct, Super Saiyan. Well, no, I don't think he did Super Saiyan two or three. He went to Super Saiyan God with Ultra Instinct, no. and then Super Saiyan Blue, combining aspects of Ultra Instinct with that. It's like it might it might actually suggest. Okay, so would this be like a wrong thing to suggest that later down the line? Uh, the current version of the Goku's strongest form could end up being like you know su- like Super Saiyan with Ultra Instinct before managing to like have that in his base form, like so. I mean, it's possible, but I think yeah. the whole entire idea is the more stable he can use, the more he can implement it in his base form, the more stable it's going to be when he uses the silver form. So that's a- so it's going to make his ability to use Ultra Instinct, the silver version, easier over time. So like he'll just yeah, be able yeah. to use it longer and better over time. Make by, it like a by, six by, sense, like, pretty much. Not only is he going to be better in his base form, but by becoming better in his base form, he'll be better at using the silver-haired form. This is really so he's interesting. Improving on every aspect. This is really yeah, it interesting. Is. It's getting it's, which a lot of people probably don't even pick up on that. They're probably like, oh, he just 
hair went black and that's it. But yeah, there's more. It's alright, start. But there's more to it than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that's about everything for now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we, I, we all agree so it's yeah, it's an underrated arc. I heavily enjoyed the arc. I don't know about you yeah, guys. Yeah, same here. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one yeah. of my favorite arcs in Super. I can't say it's my favorite because I don't have a favorite, but it's one of my favorite arcs. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, it is one. Of, to me, I feel like it's one of the the better better arcs and one of my favorites as well. Yeah, yeah. You uh, star blessed. I definitely <laughs> no. Like I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't really put it up there as in terms of like my favorite arcs because of like what I what I personally yeah. like you know really enjoy like you know watching Dragon Ball for. But I definitely appreciate it for everything that it does. I really like you know the symbolism. I really enjoy like Jordan. I really enjoy hear, hearing your analysis on the arc and what you're able to find because it's just like yeah. even though I might be able to pick up on stuff, you'll pick up on a thousand more things, which you know is always like you know it, interesting you know to, to hear from. But like yeah, yeah. like I. I did you like the Moro arc better? I did like Star the more. I, I, I think I did like the more arc better. Definitely, like just I, I think I really like the way that they handled Moro. I, 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 I'm just like when it comes to me, I have a it was a real fun arc. I yeah. have a, I have a, I have a soft spot when it comes to like you know heartless villains that just want to like kill and just like you know like be crazy. And Moro just yeah, like yeah. is that? It's just it's just personally what I like. Jordan, he Moro more so was just so. Oh man, yeah, he was different. Like he was more. He was more scary to me than Frieza. Mm-hmm. All right, let's oh, not yeah, get into more now. No, he is. He is. You know, I don't. I'm not even gonna argue yeah, with that. Was, He's, yeah, yeah, like Frieza. Yeah. Frieza will just like he will come to your doorstep and ask you for the Dragon Balls. Moro will take the Dragon Ball and kill you. <laughs> you know, Frieza's yeah, much we were more. You and Jordan were talking about that. <laughs> oh yeah. Before we go, before we go, just because you brought that up. Oh dang, um, Navit. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a very important thing to keep in mind is that when Frieza tried to get the Dragon Balls the first time on Namek, he didn't just kill them. Yep. He actually tried to go through their trials and stuff like that. I think that's very oh, important yeah, to remember right. because I do think and they that failed him. <laughs> I do also think that there's something big coming between Frieza and the Dragon Balls. I don't know what it is. Oh, I don't. I don't know exactly what they're going to do. Watch, he created his own. <laughs> but I do think there's something. The Black Dragon Ball. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, there probably is. Oh, I, you know what? You're right. I remember that. He's like, let me even take take your tests. Yeah. I remember that part. Shit. Yeah. It's because I recently watched it. <laughs> but nah, but I would have remembered it anyway. Yeah. But, uh. Alrighty. All right. All right. Anyways, guys, let us know what you guys' thoughts are in the comment section down below. Tell, tell us what you think about the granola arc. Who is your favorite characters? Do you know details like that about the arc in the comment section down below? Whether you're watching us on YouTube, listening to us on Spotify, here they're possibly adding comments in to Spotify, which is going to be great. You know, which, you know, uh, I'm not yep. sure if it's going to be, I'm not sure if they're going to have it by the time that this goes up, but regardless, I'm, it, I'm, no, it, it, it is. Oh, it's up right it's now. It's the Q&A. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, comment on Spotify too. And with that with that being said, I yes. hope you guys enjoy the video. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Till then.